I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook 'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. A lot of frustrated Cowboy fans this morning, frustrated Longhorn basketball fans, uh, based on yesterday's results and or news. Jerry Jones, instead of doing the right thing and making the right decision, which would be firing himself as general manager and hiring a, hiring a real general manager, a real football person, who would then make the decision on Mike McCarthy. He decided that Mike McCarthy stayed, almost choosing in a, in a situation of no good decision, choosing the path of least resistance, Rod. Yeah. Which is he's going to sell, stay the course. Stay and, the course. And I understand it. I think it's it's all about Dak, man. This is about, it's a Dak-centric decision. Um, and, you know, that organization is going to already invested so much in Dak, and they're going to invest so much more in Dak when they renegotiate. Don't do or it. The, Don't or, do it. Yeah, or they extend Dak. They're going to uh, invest even more in them. And when you have an investment that large, you want to put in, put in place as many support systems and you want to put in as many resources to maximize that investment as possible. And that then it gets to Mike McCarthy. That Mike McCarthy's Texas Coast offense this season was able to bring out the best big Dak energy. He's a second-team All-Pro, best season he's ever had. And I think that's why Jerry Jones was so optimistic that they were going to do so well in the playoffs. It didn't happen. Dak <laughs> showed you a lot of small Dak energy uh, and, and started out that game slow. And by the time Dak did get into a groove, the game was pretty much over. Um, so I understand why they're making a the move to stay with Mike McCarthy, because if you move on from Mike McCarthy, the bigger question becomes, well, what do you do about Dak? Because Mike McCarthy has helped you almost not solve the Dak issue, but he's definitely helped maximize Dak as a quarterback. And do you want to start over with the project to maximize Dak Prescott again and bring out the best in him? Because remember, that was the that's why you got rid of Kelly Moore. No, I get it. Because you, you were struggling trying to figure out right, how do we maximize our, our, our franchise quarterback in the face of our team? How do we get the best out of him? Because we don't get the best out of him. Then none of this matters. We might as well just rebuild and start the whole thing the whole damn thing over. Well, I, I think that's what they should do. That's They probably that's, should. That's but. my opinion. Because I think that if you brought in a real football person, they'd look at the numbers and say, guys, we just need to – and we've talked – this is not to always make it about the Texans because they're still playing for Cowboys fans. You are Texans fans. But, you know, when Nick Casario came into Houston, he realized where they were. And it's not been pretty. I mean, they had to hire David Culley because mm-hmm. no one else would have taken that job. Because remember, when Nick Casario came in, Houston was over the cap, didn't have any talent, and had no draft picks. Yeah, That's a, stu- a sucky situation. So, you, you know, you, you got a – and you got a Deshaun Watson mess that was bad when you got there, but it got worse with the, uh, the massage situation. Yeah. I mean, you got to navigate some bad things. But, you know, it's taken a couple, three years, and they've come out the other side in a really good place. Um, is that – is that you know, the, is that three years' worth of, you know, David Culley, Lovey Smith, mm-hmm. you know, getting out from under Bill O'Brien, how he left it? Because let's be fair, Bill O'Brien, once he took over as general manager and head coach and everything else and the Jack Easterby thing festered, you know, you were, you were a dumpster fire of an organization. 
And so the, the, the football person, Nick Casario, came in realizing that, put his head down, you know, deflected the criticism, and took it. And, uh, you know, got through it. It wasn't pretty as, as, an, as a Texans fan to try to watch that product for the last couple of years. But, you know, would you take it if you know you can come out the other side with a young team, with the right coach, with a good young quarterback, and you had to have a lot of good fortune there. But now you're in a really good cap place. you got draft capital. you got a coach and a team. That's, so now they have a, a, a high ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. They've, got a, they've got a bright future and an open window. Because to the Cowboys' point, staying the course means restructuring Dak Prescott's contract. It just really does. Uh, I'm reading this from CBS Sports. They have an, an, an actual agent who wrote a column about how Dak Prescott has the Cowboys over a barrel. And I've talked about this, but he writes it probably more eloquently than I've said it. But, uh, you know, his, it says here from an agent's perspective, uh, Dak's $59.455 million cap hit for their uh, cap, cap uh, you know, situation for the Cowboys is the second highest cap number for 2024 behind Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson, who's at 63.9. Wow. Okay. Prescott has a no-trade clause in his contract. He also has a provision preventing Dallas from designating him as the franchise player. So he's, the contract's all in his favor. Hmm. And here are the facts on Dak Prescott. Uh, he's 2-5 and five in the postseason. That 2-5 and five record is tied with the worst in NFL history behind Billy Kilmer, or tied with Billy Kilmer and Alex Smith for any quarterback with at least five playoff starts. Um, and again, this this week he was you know big part of their twenty seven to nothing deficit they built. So Dak has the leverage, uh, but but it, it is because what they have to do, what Dak is going to force them to do, is restructure the deal to stretch it out further. So they're going to commit to him longer term, Rod. Yep. Which means they'll commit to Mike McCarthy longer mm-hmm. term. Now, right about that. is there a course of action that would say? Hey, let's keep McCarthy. He becomes our David Cully. We're not going to restructure Dak's contract. We're going to we're going to collapse our salary cap essentially, and get through it. It's going to be two really tough years. Really tough. McCarthy's under contract, so we're keeping him. We'll keep him here to weather the storm. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not saying this is what they're going to do. I'm just saying this would be the better course of action because within two years, you get through the sixty million dollar hit this year and a thirty million dollar hit next year. Then you're out from under it. Mm-hmm. Then it's gone. Uh, then they owe him nothing after that. But if you extend him, however long you extend him, to make it more palatable on your salary cap, now you're committing to that quarterback longer. You're right about that. And he's already had eight years to take you on a deep playoff run, and he has not. You have, it's not like you have two years. You have eight years, eight seasons you're right. of this quarterback. You so uh, I would argue the, the smart thing to do is to, to suck it up and take a couple of years of pain. Um, you know, sometimes when you're trying to you're trying to lose weight, Rod, you got to suck it up for a couple of years, right? You, yeah. can't, you can't do the things you've been doing. Mm-mm. If you're trying to lose massive amounts of weight, it's going to suck for a couple of years. Yes, you come will. out the other side, you can get back to a more moderate lifestyle. You know, same if you get into a massive credit card debt. At some point, you got to suck it up and live way below your means, and it's going to suck. It's going to be terrible, but you have to. Um, but and that's what the Texans did, quite yeah. honestly, to their credit. And you know, for as a fan base, we were pretty mad about it, but. I think I understood, man, this thing. I mean, the Houston Astros did it, Rod. Yes, they did. When Drayton McLean sold the team to Jim Crane. And he said, y'all, this is going to suck for a little bit. <laughs> this is going to be really bad. <laughs> and we're going to have some 100 lost seasons. And, but, you know, at some level to get to, the, to, the, to raise the, 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 the higher ceiling, you have to. Now, again, reality would tell you Jerry Jones ain't doing that. He's hey, not man. hiring a football person. He's yeah. not going to take it. He's going to continue to sell the hope and say we're this close. And, you know, fans know better. You've, you've seen enough of this quarterback. You've seen enough of this coach. They don't give you a schematic advantage in the playoffs. The coach doesn't, and the quarterback doesn't raise the level in the postseason like you need. He's not Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's not Josh Allen. Nope. He's not, he, not going to 
elevate. So you, you've got a coach and a quarterback who don't give you a playoff advantage, and you're sticking with them. So for Cowboy fans, you can hate that, like that, or not agree with me, but that's where they are, and it's really where they are. And your course of action should should follow that. But I assume I know what they're going to do. They'll yeah. No, I, I don't think the Cowboys study. Put some Band-Aids on it. Yeah, I don't think the Cowboys study the NFL. I don't. And I know it sounds crazy to say you should study the ecosystem you are in. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and, and you study the, the, the teams. You study uh, the different players who have achieved in that ecosystem. And it will, it will bring them, if they did stay the league, it will inevitably bring them to the conclusion that you're talking about that, you know, a Dak's not good enough. The same conclusion that the 49ers came uh, to when they had Alex Smith and Jim Harbaugh reached the playoffs and said to himself, Alex Smith isn't good enough. I need a Colin Kaepernick. I need someone with a higher ceiling. It's a roll of the dice, but I need it. Andy Reid said the same thing about Alex Smith when he examined uh, Alex Smith with the Kansas City Chiefs, making the playoffs, but I need a quarterback with a higher ceiling, roll the dice on a Patrick Mahomes. Eagles did the same thing. Uh, and I, I, you go look at I, the Packers. Now, for different reasons, theirs was because of quarterback uh, kind of attrition because of the circle of life that happens with the quarterback position. Uh, you know, inevitably, your quarterback, father time comes for us all. Your, father, your quarterback will get too old, all right, to be able to execute the offense and execute the plays that you need. When that happens, you better be ready for a, a succession plan. And the Packers are the best in the NFL at that. All right, there are some great organizations who aren't really good at it. The Pittsburgh Steelers are about to suffer because of that, because they had a quarterback for a deck for for years, and they have not necessarily been good with the quarterback yeah, ben succession plan. Got old, and they didn't have a plan. And they did not have a plan for it. And the, and the Steelers are about to pay for that. As a yeah. matter of fact, they're paying for it right now. Now they got a damn good coach and damn good culture, so they still make the playoffs. Right? That's, that's how good Mike Tomlin is. How good the culture is. But you got to have the coach and the quarterback. Those are the two things that will elevate and separate your organization in this league. And you could argue for the Cowboys, they are limited at both. And I think Mike McCarthy is a damn good coach, but he's limited. And as you pointed out, in the schematic advantage he can give you, that was just showcased in that playoff game. And also, Dak Prescott, as you also pointed out, he's limited in what he can do for your team in the playoffs against good teams and against great organizations. So that's where you are. But there's no doubt you should have been in the market for an upgraded quarterback, even though I'm a Dak fan, a long time ago. Probably about three years ago, you probably should have been well, thinking about it. Go to your example with the Packers. I mean, while they had Aaron Rodgers, and give the, give the Packers this credit. This is huge credit due. While they were still trying to push to win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, right? They were still mm-hmm. – because they were literally trying to go win a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers had won one way back and hadn't been able to get there. They couldn't get far the 49ers. They had some really good teams. They were getting over the cap. They were keeping old, you know, the veterans there, and Rodgers wanted. But at the same time, Brian Gutekunst had a long-term plan. Right, he was thinking, okay, now and future. Yep, and it might piss off my quarterback, but we're taking this quarterback. We like this QB. He has a lot of the traits we. How on our board? Our board right now says he's like the second best quarterback. So we'll trade up to get him. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, and it irritated Aaron Rodgers to the Mm -hmm. point where he went out and had two two successive MVP seasons. But they still, while they were doing that, and everybody was yelling at them for not drafting wide receivers in the first round, they were actually drafting good young players. They were. You, it's some. A lot of times you got to put up with the criticism, Rod. You got to take it. Because you know it's what's best for the long term, uh, you know you, you have to take it. Like if you're trying to lose, your job. if you're trying to lose weight or get get uh, budget friendly as a, as a family, Rod, you you got that little birdie in your head saying, "Man, let's go out and have a pizza," or you "No, know, let's go spend. We need to buy this." You can't. Mm-mm. You got to take it. You got to tell it to shut up, and we're just head down going to what the Packers did. They took the criticism from mm-hmm. all the shows and all the people oh, yeah. of Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love's no good, and you don't yeah. know what you're doing. Just like, just like Nick Castario did, and looks like, uh, you, you know, you mentioned 
and the other some other teams that have done this. The Patriots have done it. The Patriots, done, the you, Patriots did it time after time. They motivated Tom Brady in this way. They kept the salary cap number of Tom Brady down because he, Tom Brady never wanted to be the quarterback that demanded too much money because he as a sixth-round pick understood, hey, man, Belichick, he's drafted quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of where I was drafted. And he gave me uh, a chance as a sixth-round pick to take the job of a $100 million quarterback in Drew Bledsoe. Oh, he damn for sure will put Jimmy Garoppolo and in that job. He and he tried with, to. Then he tried to with Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo. So they kept they – kept, guys, they drafted 10 quarterbacks while Tom Brady was the starting quarterback, a Super Bowl-winning starting quarterback because they were smart enough – Nick Casario, by the way, in that organization, along with a lot of other smart execs, they understood, well, we actually don't know if the Tom Brady thing – because for, for, forever, guys, they thought it was essentially a happy accident with Tom Brady. They thought that – Tom Brady was more of a, you know, for them, was more of a miracle. <laughs> they didn't know Tom Brady was the GOAT for like three or four years. They thought, man, this thing, luck may run out on this guy because he seems pretty lucky right now. Because yeah, he won a Super Bowl in his first Super year as a starter. Yeah, so they're like, oh, man, this might be lucky. And, and it was more of a defensive-built team that he game-managed. Yes, but they did not want – they know luck is not a strategy. So just in case it was luck, they kept taking. In it. case it runs out, let's get another quarterback. And the Cowboys have taken the fewest, and that, that, and, that goes yeah, to the overall. They're going off being lucky with Tom, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott, two of the luckiest franchise quarterbacks. Not in terms of their play on the field, but in terms of the evaluation and how being able to acquire them. them and how you found them. Guys, one guy was an undrafted free agent, and one guy was drafted in the fourth round. That doesn't happen in terms of the NFL back-to-back franchise quarterbacks being found in that manner. Yeah, we mentioned the Chiefs drafting Patrick Mahomes when they had it's, Alex Smith, who was taking them to the playoffs yeah, every year. Study the NFL. Yeah, I've been studying it for the last decade, guys. If you study the NFL, it takes you to that inevitable conclusion that you must keep drafting quarterbacks. Yeah, and the Cowboys don't study the NFL. They're very insular, as we've talked about. And this is this is the frustrating part. And I'm not sure what to tell Cowboys fans because it's not going to change unless you make the dramatic moves it, it takes to actually fix it. Because it's not fixed. You can read, uh, you know, Jerry Jones' statement that he wrote. He won't answer questions. He didn't have a press conference. He didn't go on the radio, which he's done all year and does all the time. Uh, he's going to hide behind a statement. But the yeah. statement says we're really close. Well, fans know you're not. I mean, to your point about even when the Patriots were you – know, he was winning Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. They were still curious about Tom Brady if the luck was going to run out. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's had eight years to make a decent playoff run. He hasn't. Yet they still have a, an owner and a general manager saying, we're close. Keep up alive. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Quit. What is it in the, my, one of my favorite movies, The Outlaw Josie Wales? Don't piss down my leg. Don't piss Ter- down my back and tell Ter- me it's raining. raining. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> That's Jerry Jones. He's like, it's raining, guys. I'm singing in the rain. Yeah, he's like, he's, no, that ain't right. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, the, the hard right would be to take a couple of years of really you're right. rough football. Maybe go 3-13, 3-14. and 13, three and 14, But get right. Get right and don't commit to this quarterback for six more years. I don't just because dis- you like him, just because he's a nice guy. I don't, don't do it. With that. I don't disagree Take with it. Take the heat because like, sixty million this year, thirty million next year. Then you're done with it. And in the meantime, you can start to find your quarterback, and you might put yourself in a draft position to draft the future. So say that because you'll, you'll you'll get high enough in the draft to take somebody mm-hmm. that could be your C.J. Stroud. Just could be. Uh, and you got to get lucky on that. But that takes a general manager. That takes forward thinking. That takes the willingness to take the criticism mm-hmm. and not be happy with a 12-5 and five season that ends in the first round, which it appears that they are. All right, so there's a little rant of mine. Rod will That's have good. his rant coming up. Before we do, we'll get your rant bottom of the hour, Rod. But I want to ask you this. Am I a bad pet owner? I'm reading this story. I have a little dog. You see my dog, right? Uh, cute dog. She's dog great. hangs out with us every morning. She's awesome. Here in the OC compound. Uh, so a South Carolina man has a chihuahua, chihuahua named Roxy. Okay, little kind of like mine. I got a little like uh, whatever Mark dog is. I'm Maltese or something. Inherited it from my my my, my father in law when he passed away. Hmm. Great dog though. It was his dog. It's now our dog. 
so Roxy was being attacked by a coyote. Oh, no. Or was about to be attacked by a coyote, and that's going to lose, right? Coyote against a little chihuahua. Yeah, you're done. Done, son. Well, this dude from South Carolina grabbed the coyote by its tail and proceeded to pull it and throw it into a dumpster. He, Timothy Snipe. He threw a coyote by its tail? Like kind of did the whole hammer toss. Like, his, like on a cartoon? Yes. <laughs> now, in the process, he got bit by said coyote. Oh, of course. Oh, that makes sense. Because it reared back and yeah, yeah, yeah. you grab a coyote's tail. And no matter, you're going to get bit every time. So Timothy ended up going to the hospital, received nine rabies shots after being bitten by the coyote, which are how, miserable. How many shots? Nine. Good they got to do those, kind of, those rabies shots go in your stomach. Those oh. things, that battery of shots is horrible if you ever had to have a rabies I battery. I have not. Dude. And I don't plan on ever having that. That, that sounds miserable. So I, the reason, am I a bad I wouldn't do that. Oh, you wouldn't rescue your tiny dog from a coyote? I would not grab the coyote by its tail. That I can tell you as I stand here today, I would not do. Was this out in, during the day or nighttime? Because coyotes don't just hang out during the day. Do they just do they hunt during, like that during the day? I, this is South Carolina. I, we had a coyote when I lived. I see them all the time around here. Yeah, the coyotes are out. Mm, interesting. T- Ty, would you you have dogs? Would you uh, grab the coyote by its tail to take on the coyote to save your dog? Most definitely, but I don't think my dogs would need any help with the coyote. They're, well, you got big dogs. You got big dogs. One of my yeah, do- one of my dogs. dogs is literally bred she to to kill wolves. So I think, she, I think she'd be okay against a coyote. Oh, I like this. See, but you have the dog that you don't need the protection of the owner. You've got a big-ass dog. Yeah. But this dude, Roxy's going down. Roxy's Maybe over. if it was Chihuahua my cat. Can just yap. If it was my cat, yeah, I'd, I'd go in and save her. You never saw these people who, like, rescue their dogs from being attacked by alligators and stuff? Yeah, I've seen it. I just I don't know that I would. You would not be one of those people. But I saying. would do anything to save one of my children. I mean, there, there's not anything I wouldn't do. There's not anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> But dogs, you can't okay. name one thing I would do. I kind of did this in a sense where uh, one of my roommates just moved out and he had a big dog. And one of my dogs is a boy, his is a boy. And so, you know, they probably got into like three or four tiffs in the year and a half we lived together. But the, the last one they got into, uh, I went in to break it up because it was, you know, it, it gets pretty serious pretty fast when two big dogs are fighting like that. So I threw myself in the middle and my thumb got caught in one of their collars and dislocated my thumb. And I got bit because I was stuck. I literally stuck my arm in between their mouths like an idiot just stu- to stop them mm. from biting each other. So I, and they were fine, completely fine after I broke it up. But I, that was probably the, one of the most painful things I've ever felt in my life. And for like six months, my thumb was just, I could pull it all the way back without it. Like it, it, it was terrible. So, but I, but I put, I would do it all over again because I don't, I, there'd nothing be worse than having to go to a vet for a dog getting its eye or something bitten out. It's, no, it's, I agree. It's one of my it's biggest all... fears is my dogs getting hurt. Because I don't have kids yet, but I'm sure I'd feel the same way about my children. Yeah, well. that's true. Their kids are your dogs, basically. I mean, your dogs are your kids. Yeah. Well, that's why I say I'm, in a, I'm a bad pet owner, because I would not. <laughs> I'd say, man, that really sucks. You would just witness your dog? No, I, I would do yeah. something. You got to do something. You can't just you can't come back here and explain be... to your wife you did nothing. Like where the dog can't was find the taken dog. away by a coyote. Dog got lost. No, you gotta have you gotta have the story. Like I fought. You gotta be dirty at least. Like I fought. I tried to kick it. I ran. I, used to after know what it. I, I can tell you what I would do for any of my children. I, there, there's nothing I wouldn't do. Yeah, uh, I, I, there's no doubt about that. But it, 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 I, I think my immediate instinct would be to fight. But what would you do? I'm not grabbing it by its tail. Mm, that ain't could, happening. You could beat up a coyote pretty easily. They're like they're like dogs. They're like little dogs. Yeah, they're I've like seen the size them. of these. When I was living out yeah. in, uh, in Buda there, we lived in Elliott Ranch, and we'd have coyotes all the time. We, lived, we backed up right to the Greenbelt. 
So we have coyotes. But you literally can't have cats in my parents' neighborhood in Lost Creek here because of the coyotes, or at least outdoor cats, because they just save your dog, whatever costy. I. No, those stories. I'm, 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 I'm falling on the sword. I'm no, admitting. I've had neighbors say in our neighborhood down in South Austin that they've had a, a coyote like in their backyard. So, yeah, it man, it it happens. I yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would grab something and try to hit it with a stick. Uh, I would you try. To, you I got, would find a weapon. You ain't got time for that. By the time you find a stick, that the, yeah, the, the dog, dog is gone. Dog is dead. You got to act now. And the first thing he did was grab that tail. I'm confirming that I would not grab the cat, the coyote's tail. I probably, I, I'd, I'd probably try to help my dog. I got an old dog. I got big dogs. They're big labs. But one's old. One's like 14. I would get. She between, would not be. I would get in between it and I would try to scare it, growl at it, yell at it, whatever you do. <laughs> ah, you know that kind of thing. <clears throat> I ain't grabbing his by his tail. You're not grabbing his by his Committing tail. Committing to that. All right. I think I would. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm, you I'm a dog would. guy. You're a better pet owner than I am. Yeah. Hundred percent. I couldn't go home and tell my wife that something happened to the dog without me risking my life to save it because she would be upset. That's probably true. I She'd mean, be I, I would be that. in trouble at home. There's yeah. 100% true. Wifey would want to know. She want to know, you're a hero, man. Uh, you gotta show. What did you do to save it? Yeah, that's a fair question. <laughs> exactly. What did you do? Yeah. I fought like hell, damn it. That coyote, I think that's the thing about it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how big a coyote is compared to me. I guess I haven't seen them, but I know they're relatively well, they're like, different sizes. Like a lab, they're like a lab, yeah, yeah. medium-sized dog. Yeah, they're, they're like a, they're they're like like a, a forty-five to fifty-pound animal. Yeah, right? they are. Yeah, but they're mean. They're mean. They're and so they got rabies. Oh. And they got rabies. I do not want to get bit by something with rabies, though. I'll admit well, that. Just to tell you, if you haven't, I don't want to spoil it, but the show This Is Us. If the guy hadn't run back in to save the dog from the burning house, he'd be alive today. You know what I'm saying? And, oh. and those people would have a, fa- a father. Is that how the dad dies? I don't want to spoil it. Oh, well, you just did. <laughs> Is that how the dad I didn't know that. The show's like years and years yeah, and years yeah, and years yeah. old. There should be. Yeah, we got to put a time limit on this spoilers thing. All right, the show's like four years old. Ain't no such Longer thing as spoilers. Longer yeah, than that. Yeah, yeah. It's been now. over for you got time four to years. It. All right, last thing, then we're going to Rod's rant. Do you think this is a good idea? You, you like Applebee's, Ron? Uh, yeah, I used to. Yeah, you said. I like told you the story the this past fall. We discovered that after 10 o'clock at Applebee's, it becomes kind of like a club. It's Club Applebee's. Cheap drinks. People hang out, mm-hmm. play music, watch sports. It's pretty crazy. I didn't know this until I we were out of the, we were way out of the wedding east of Dallas, and that's the only thing that was open, and we wanted to watch the college football game. It was lit. And it was lit. It's crazy. Lit. Packed. <laughs> Only place in Greenville, Texas, or wherever we were. <laughs> well, how about this? They've got a deal now with Valentine's Day less than a month away. Ty, you need to listen to this. Applebee's is offering a date night pass, date night card, essentially. $200. $200, which you have to pay for it down. Okay. But then they're going to give you a card, which gives you $30 off each of your next 52 visits. Okay. Okay. $30 off your next 52 visits. 52. So technically, you go every week for the year, and you'll save. You'll get thirty dollars off your meal that's every upward, time. That's like fifteen hundred dollars. That's, that's like thirteen hundred bucks. That's crazy. Now it doesn't include alcohol, of course. But you, for every meal you go to, you're going to get thirty bucks off. How much do I have to spend to get the thirty bucks off? There's no way to give me two hundred. Two hundred for the pass. Two hundred every time I go. Yes. Every time I go to no every- no two hundred once. Two hundred one time. Yep. And then when I go, they say I get a twenty dollar meal. It's free. Yep. Applebee's that's, is that's, so bad no. though. I that's, think you probably have to pay to the third. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's definitely not like just free if I go in there. So I got to pay that's a certain not, amount to get the, the discount. We'll look into the small yeah, type. I definitely. But still, if you go there and now no, you, right. you still, I mean, technically under these rules, you're going to save thirty bucks every time. Even if you spend fifty, it's only twenty. 
I know. See, you sound like my wife now. My wife comes home. She's like, I saved $300. I'm like, how much did you spend? She's like, I saved this much. I'm like, how much did you spend to save that much is what I need to know. But That's if you're, girl if you're frugal, <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? my question is, this seems like a pretty good mathematical deal. You get the date night pass. If you're gonna, once a week, you can go out on a date. You're going to save 30 to start. So even if you spend 20 or 30 bucks, you're still saving 30. So in the end, to Ty's math, you're still going to save if you use it properly. The only thing you can't do is buy it and never use it. Then you're going to out 200 yeah, bucks. It's like a, yeah, it's like a season pass. You buy but it, it says here you it. have to go at least seven times to break even. But once you go over seven, you're making money. And it's obviously Applebee's is looking for what you want. You want because most restaurant owners would tell you they make most of their money on the the the, re, the return customers. People who come every week. The consistent people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come every week. You come. The, you get the, the same thing every time. Yes. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Yes. The what, what do you call them? The, re, the returning guests. They're yes. there all the time. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones you make your bank repeat on. Repeat business. That's re, what you repeat want. business. Yep. And your usuals, your regulars. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones you want. If you get those, then all of a sudden you got to then you get a constant stream of new new customers and coming they in. Now you're doing real good. And hopefully some of them become regulars. Yeah. You're trying to create that. But is Applebee's food worth that? It's so bad. But I want to go once a week. You said so bad, Ty? So bad. If this was Chili's, I'd buy in 100%. But oh, really? I, Chili's is greater than Applebee's? Are you kidding me? Yes. I don't know. I don't go there. I'm just asking. Chili's is leap, like, leaps and bounds better than, than Applebee's. I think Chili's is better than Applebee's, yeah. Applebee's I, is like if you – like I'm pretty sure in that kitchen they just get like Tyson's chicken nuggets frozen <laughs> and just – toss them in the microwave for 10 seconds and, and get – Applebee's <laughs> terrible. The drinks aren't even good either. Uh, maybe that's why they're doing I've been this, on a right? date to Applebee's. Not with my, my current girlfriend is not an Applebee's type. She's a little bit more bougie than, than that. So bougie. I'd, well, look, yeah. I mean, 30 bucks each time if you are a baller on a budget and you're trying to save some money, I'm just putting it out there. You might want to try it. Because you know me, I'm going to have a drink or two. So I'm going to end up buying some drinks. That's fine. They're going to yeah. get some money out of me. So time. I guess that's if you do. You go there and get yourself some drinks. Would that count against my yeah, – the, ta- like the, total yeah, the only thing I trust to drink there is beer. I would. The, I got a liquor drink there, and it was straight sugar. It was. I think it was a syrup, <laughs> and maybe like a drop of right. taka. Well, we're putting that out there. Are you bullish or BS on the uh, date night pass at yeah. Applebee's? Yeah. How often are you taking a date to Applebee's? Is the question. Well, you know, this would be something you, if you have a significant other, that you're going to go. Y'all out, both like it. You'll both like it. Yeah. You're, you're right. not trying to impress anybody. Yes, true. You're trying to save a little money. Yeah, both like Applebee's. But the yeah. math would tell you if you use it, you could save up to thirteen hundred bucks over the course of a year. No, I'm sure there's some fine print in there, though. It, it definitely, there's some fine print that's going to keep me from just being able to, to you know, to go in there every day and spend, what you say, maybe it'd make you spend $30, and I'll spend $31, and I'll take my $30 savings, and I'll spend like a dollar, basically. What I just say, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder, I just got to figure out the fine print, but it sounds like a hell of a deal. It does sound like a good deal. It does. Sounds like a false advertising is so damn good. It does sound like a good deal. <laughs> it sounds like Well, did you see the story recently where Red Lobster had to fire some people? Over the endless shrimp? Yeah. Endless like, shrimp. Like the, the, the marketing people don't know if we do this endless shrimp thing, we'll end up making yeah. our money. Yeah. And they just didn't realize how fat people are and how Damn. much people will eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, people, people in America. No, I actually went to Lobster. In America, if you give them free stuff, they'll keep eating it. I went to Red Lobster for the endless shrimp. Um, this is no BS. This is a real story. I went to Red Lobster for the endless shrimp, me and my wife, because they got sucked into the commercial. I, we watched the damn commercial, and it was like, that shrimp looks really good. And when I was in um, Detroit, I went to Red Lobster all the time because I lived by Red Lobster. So I was like, oh, no, you can go there. The biscuits are pretty good. I was like, I can do Red Lobster. My, my wife, like uh, Ty's girlfriend, is kind of bougie. So we go to Red Lobster, and <laughs> We sit there. We're like, hey, the woman comes over. What do y'all want to say? We want the endless shrimp. She's like, okay, yeah, great. Um, and as we're waiting for the endless shrimp, we, uh, my wife noticed some stains on the walls. Oh. 
And then she saw, she's like, what are these stains on the wall? I was like, I don't know. I was like, don't look at the walls. Just focus on the English shrimp we're going to get. That's what you focus on. Uh, she went to the bathroom and came back and was like, I don't think we want to eat here. And I was like, why? She was like, bathroom is not in good shape. People had to end the shrimp and they must have, uh, <laughs> they must have deposited in the bathroom that endless shrimp because it was like a horror, horror film. Well, here, and here is the story from Business Insider. Mm. Red Lobster's profits tank after endless shrimp deal goes badly. They underestimated how much people will eat of endless shrimp. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing. We didn't eat any of it. <laughs> we, got, we ordered the endless shrimp, and it was so small. It, none of the shrimp looked like it did on the commercial. It was all it looked like popcorn shrimp. Even the, the popcorn shrimp, it, everything looked like that because it was small, and it was not very appetizing. So we decided to just leave. I was like, you know what? Just leave. I don't want my wife in a bad mood. Let's go. And the woman offered. She said, we can't do this. It's actually against the rules. She said, we can't do this, but I'm going to give you. You guys can have to-go containers and take as much shrimp as you want to go because you can't do endless shrimp to go. Endless shrimp has to be eaten in the restaurant. She gave us containers to go because we didn't eat any of the endless shrimp. We was like, "Now nah, we got to go. She's like, I feel bad. I was like, don't feel bad. We, we tried uh, and we failed. It's not our thing. Here it is. The ultimate endless shrimp offer Mm-mm. from uh, Red Lobster was, according to the Business Insiders, the key reason the chain's roughly $11 million loss in the third quarter of 2023. Or maybe nobody goes to Red Lobster anymore. But uh, I, I mean, looked at the Applebee's thing. There is no fine print on this. It's just $30 Too off. many people go. Really? Too many people go. That's the problem. They, they, lo- the they, did, they did the deep dive. Yeah. They looked at, okay, what went wrong? This was supposed to work. No, and people have no standards. Like I said, I went in there, and we ended up leaving. <laughs> I'm sure they had an algorithm of how much uh, food, the, how much shrimp the average person would eat for 20 bucks, and they just underestimated the appetite of Americans. You were wrong. You were way wrong. Americans are fat, <laughs> and they will they they fat and they love free stuff. And so to, 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 they were stuff? wrong to the to the to mm. the to the uh, roughly eleven million dollars in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean that's like remember that Blockbuster video had that no late fees. It was like oh, you can't have that. That's a bad business model. Like damn near put them out of business. No late fees. We were like oh no, they feel keeping this video then technically. Some pencil pusher <laughs> spreadsheet people in New York were doing this. Oh, this will work. These people won't eat that much. I'm, Listen, how much could they eat? How much yeah, could they eat? They can't eat all these shrimp. And hours. And they were getting hours. Trust me, they were getting like the, the, the cheapest shrimp they could get. Like this was not high quality shrimp. This is not the good shrimp, oh, no. not fat shrimp that you get at really nice restaurants. No, no. Trust me, guys. These were all look like popcorn shrimp. None of them were bigger than half of your pinky. <laughs> all of them. The grilled one, the scampi, sir, all of it. Sir, you have to go. No, yeah. you said endless. Keep you it said coming. endless. Keep, Keep it coming. <laughs> and they just sit there. And they just wait to their food to digest and go into the bathroom. That's why all the bathrooms are wrecked in every red lobster. Because of the the shrimp. <laughs> People like, sitting there for hours just eating shrimp the whole time. Your stomach ain't built to handle that. That's crazy. And that on oh no, those biscuits. That's probably the best thing about real life is those cheddar biscuits. They're good. They're pretty good. I think that was their plan, that some people order some cheddar biscuits. Oh, you're right. Some, Fill nope. up on the biscuit. Nope. They bring you a salad, too. They try to get you with a salad. Like, sir, you can have a salad. Get your greens out of here. <laughs> Keep them shrimp coming. <laughs> and then, of course, shrimp prices go up a little bit, and all of a sudden you're in a real, right. real world of hurt. Great point. Sorry, Red Lobster. Never has been going on for a long time. This has been like a two-, three-year thing, right, when they long. break off the endless shrimp every now and then. Yeah. Wow. All right, from Cowboys to Endless Shrimp. We'll come back. Rod will take us on Rod's rant of the day, the second of two this day. Also some who said that for the top of the hour. Having fun with you on a Thursday. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. 
All right, let's uh, get into Raj Rand today. I want to talk about the Houston Texans a little bit and really how special uh, D'Amico Ryans has proven to be as a head coach. Now, we've talked a lot about C.J. Stroud. He obviously is extraordinary, the greatest rookie season in the history of the NFL for a starting quarterback. But, uh, you know, D'Amico Ryans is underrated in his ability uh, to be a a, a, a a teacher of the game. And he actually takes a lot of pride, and he talks about teaching the game and players becoming students of the game. And I do think it's a challenge for some coaches to, you know, take the the practice field, take the lessons and the, uh, the schemes and take all of the different knowledge that is gained from the practice field or from the game field and then apply it to an actual classroom setting. Some coaches really have uh, – Coach Aquina, uh, almost professorial, um, his ability to take what we did in, the, uh, in practice or in, the, in games into the classroom in a classroom setting, have a very relaxed classroom setting that almost becomes a think tank, a study, a study group, if you will, about the game, about the scheme, about the coverages. And that's what a position group turns into, a really, I think, a successful, constructive, collaborative position group turns into. And then there's the next step for a, a coach – a position coach to take the classroom and be able to uh, apply that to the sideline. And in that 30 seconds to 90 seconds you have with a player on the sideline during the game, chaos all around you, right? Their, their mind is racing, head spinning, a lot going on and be able to connect with them in the midst of all that chaos and be able to connect and make the necessary adjustments um, during the game and to be able to coach them during the game for them to be coachable during the game during that situation and to be able to make effective adjustments to technique to fundamentals to coverages to uh, to, to fronts to pressure packs whatever it may be and that I think is ultimately the, I think where a lot of coaches fail is that those three steps taking everything from the actual field to the classroom and from the classroom to the sideline. That's not every coach can do that. D'Amico Ryan has already shown me he has the ability to, to do that. And now we have a great example of it. So the Christian Harris interception that he got during the uh, Cleveland Browns game, the pick six, uh, there's some audio from NFL films from D'Amico Ryan's coaching going from the classroom to the sideline, all right? Uh, and he actually, and we'll get, listen to some audio later on of D'Amico talking about how he, he took the lessons that they learned from the practice field to the classroom, and then you can hear right now of him taking that to the actual sideline. Here's D'Amico Ryan's coaching, head coach, but doing some individual position coaching with Christian Harris, and Christian Harris obviously taking it in and it resulting in that pick six. You just hang right there and just play the quarterback. Play the quarterback as soon as he snap, step in front of it, go pick. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm Fourth and two from the Browns, 33. It's picked off. Here we go to the left, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Christian Harris. Second pick six of the game. Zone defense. So here's Harris. His eyes are on the quarterback. And at the last minute, he breaks underneath. In front of the intended target, Harrison Bryant. Just had to run over. I know. I'm sorry, baby. It's, uh, you know he's excited out here. I don't want to hurt. I got you. Yeah, no, please don't. <laughs> sorry. All right, now that's Tobiko, and you can even see the announcers. They're describing <laughs> Christian Harrison the way he's looking at. It's almost, you know, following the instructions of, you know, D'Amico Ryan's to a T. 
right? Look at the quarterback's eyes. We have already watched the film. Once he sees us in this coverage, he's going to automatically go to that sight adjustment, and you, all you got to do is step in front of that guy, and he got the pick six. Here is D'Amico Ryan describing how he took those lessons that they've been teaching and the lessons that Christian Harris has been learning and took those from the practice field to the classroom and then to the sideline. Here's D'Amico Ryan. Everything. It's um... – what I truly believe in, my philosophy of coaching, it's all about, you know, it's all about developing young men. And to see, you know, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be all pretty from the start. But you, to see a guy like Christian grow throughout the entire year, to see him have that same play a couple of weeks ago versus the Titans, right, and we're able to kind of correct it. And, hey, this time it just makes sure you step in front. And to see that moment just happen as a teacher, as a coach, there's no prouder moment when you see a young man step in and make that play, take the coaching point to heart and actually execute it the proper way and for him to make the biggest play of his career. And I'm so excited for Christian, so proud of him, right, for just making a big play. And as and I tell guys, it's not when you try to chase big plays, like they don't happen. Yeah, and the young man uh, was very coachable in that moment, ended up making a huge play. And this is another step, I think, uh, or something special really about D'Amico Ryans, and he's uh, done an amazing job there as the head coach, but he is a football guy. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of guys these days in the new era of coaching, they rely almost uh, overly reliant on analytics and over-relying on data science. Nothing wrong with that. I, you guys know I love data science. I love analytics. I bring a lot of that to this show. Uh, but as a football coach, man, the film, all right, should be your biggest resource. The honest guy don't lie. Here is D'Amico Ryan's early on in the season being asked about, because remember Bobby Sloan, we used to work for Pro Football Focus. I mean, he is a true data scientist calling this place as an offensive coordinator. And D'Amico Ryan was asked about deep dive analytics, EPA per play, DVA, DVOA, all, right? all these really advanced analytics and how much of that influences his coaching. It's almost refreshing to hear D'Amico Ryan's response. Here it is. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When it comes to those stats, the deviant, sometimes I don't know what most of that stuff means, right? For me, it's uh, what I'm looking to watch. We watch, we used to watch and study the film, right? And schematically, right? What causes this team issues? And we'll try to make sure it ties in. If it's something that ties in what we do schematically, we'll try to implement that to cause our opponent as many problems as possible, right? It's a lot of different numbers out there. You can dial up stats a lot of different ways, right? But when that ball is kicked off on Sunday, like, are you bringing it physically and are you operating with precision? Offense, defense, special teams, and our 11 guys playing together, that's what truly matters. 
There you go. He's like, I don't even know what half that stuff is. I'm just watching the film. And that's refreshing. That, that coaching point that he gave Christian Harris, that came from him just watching film. He confirmed it by watching film, not from the analytics and the trends. I'm sure he's got data scientists that are handing him papers with trends and patterns on them. Um, but all of that is additive to what he relies on, which is the eyes, his eye, the eye test for him and what he sees. That is fantastic. Uh, so I'm just saying I think D'Amico Ryans is going to end up being – he already has obviously exceeded expectations, but I, I, I don't think it's a fluke. Like I think he's going to end up being a hell of a coach in this league. Agreed. And think about what, you, what just all went down there. If you're just – why did Joe Flacco think that that throw was safe? Because he'd watched Christian Harris on film not make that play mm-hmm. over and over again. And, he, and D'Amico just talked about it two weeks ago against the Titans. They'd run the same play, and it's open, and it, it's a first down. And so Christian Harris has struggled with that all year. Joe Flacco watches film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin Stefanski and he watch film. Uh, okay, if we get this look, guys, he's not going to jump the route. He, he, just, he doesn't have the eyes for it. He doesn't see it. Young linebacker. And this is why D'Amico's jumping up and down so excited. He ran over the referee yep. because he believed you. He finally trusted it. And what, what Joe, Joe Flacco, because, again, those guys watch film too. They're scouting. This is where we can take advantage of these guys on third and four or whatever it's going to be. He's not going to jump this route. And he did. And what do you know? Joe Flacco threw it and went, uh-oh, uh-oh, he's jumping the route. We're jumping in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, and people have seen this in D'Amico for a while. I go back to this quote, my boy Shano, Kyle Shanahan, uh, when D'Amico Ryans was, um, was hired before uh, Sal even took the, the Jets job, like when they brought D'Amico in as a quality control coach, um, Shano said uh, basically, um, this is what he said about him in 2017, it's a matter of time before D'Amico is a coordinator in this league. It's a matter of time before he's a head coach in this league. That's when he first hired D'Amico back in the day. Um, Matt Schaub. There's a story I told you about Matt Schaub, how annoyed Matt Schaub was with, with D'Amico Ryans when they were playing together. His, his uh, quote here, in the locker room, in the mill room, uh, sorry, in the mill room, on the field, on the side, when our reps are over, um, he, he, he would always say, hey, I saw this formation. Is this something that we should look for off of that? Hey, a play action or something? He always wanted to visualize because defense looks at things from offensive formations. Um, he said he always wanted to know how the offense worked. Um, Sean Cody, remember Sean Cody, the Texans' nose tackle? He said at the time when he played, D'Amico Ryans was basically our coach. <laughs> he said Cody's Texans team nicknamed Ryan's cap for his role on the defense, their captain, their leader. <laughs> Ryan's Alabama teammates had another nickname for him. They called him coach. When he played at Alabama, they called him coach. <clears throat> when he played for the Texans, they called him cap. Chip Kelly in 2016, all right, as the head coach of the 49ers that would hire Ryan's one year later, Kelly filled out a series of questions. Remember, because <clears throat> he coached him when he was in Philadelphia. He filled out a questionnaire once and was asked stupid questions, favorite movie, favorite food, stuff like that. When he was asked um, under a player that would make a great head coach, in 2016 he put D'Amico Ryans. There we go. That was in 2016. People have been talking about his coaching acumen for a really, really long time. And, you know, one of the things um, that you know, people don't understand either is that when he laid on his career, he dealt with a lot of injuries. And Jordan Hicks, lifetime long one Jordan Hicks, he actually credits D'Amico Ryans um, for his development as an NFL player. Um, Kelly gave, if you know, Chip Kelly gave D'Amico Ryans a nickname. He called him Mufasa. 
the leader of the animal kingdom um, because the Eagles drafted what they called his young Simba, which was Jordan Hicks. And Jordan Hicks to this day said, um, what haven't I learned from D'Amico? When people asked him, hey, what did you learn from me? He said, what haven't I learned? The guy taught me everything I know. J.J. Watt, when he first moved to Houston as a rookie, he said, I bought my first house across from D'Amico because if D'Amico thought it was the right place to live, it was the right place for me to live too. <laughs> Good judgment. <laughs> he said he would be a great head coach. I mean, these so these stories have been out there a while from him. Now we're just starting to see them materialize and come to fruition. Yeah, the fruits of what he is, and that's he, and as a fan of the Texans when he was there, he's one of my favorite guys. You get to see it, yep. coach on the field. Yep. Um, you know, he was immediately uh, the leader. And you're right about his injuries because he was small. I mean, he's not he a was. big guy, and yep. he was playing linebacker at, a, at an undersized spot, but was always in the right place and uh, uh, just knew the game. That's that's fun to watch. And now he's got this young quarterback and a young team. We'll watch him play Baltimore this coming weekend. And obviously the first game of Divisional Saturday and then Divisional Sunday. We'll come back when we do a little round of Who Said That, Rod, on a busy Thursday. Who said that? Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the horn. Ooh, and Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? All right, who said that, uh time here on Hook Em Up with Ian Rodby ahead of our fabulous that. fifth hour on a uh, very fun Thursday. Well, frustrating Thursday for Cowboys fans. Not a lot of good answers, and most of them didn't hear the answer they wanted to hear from Jerry Jones yesterday. <laughs> not at all. Also, uh, Rodney Terry, uh, not only losing a, a game they can't lose, now becoming a national conversation for his reaction to uh, Central Florida players doing the horns down. Mm. Uh, and it's it's not good for Rodney, by the way, as far as the PR goes on it. We'll get no. back into that in the next hour. Not at all. Uh, whether it was you know, right for him to get in those guys' face or not, it's not playing well to the national audience for sure. Not to the local ones either. Yeah. Local fans aren't impressed with this. No, you're right. <laughs> They're right. not at all. No. They, they'll be able to take it side. They're not taking Rodney Terry's side here. No, no one is. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. But it's become a national story is the yes, point. It, yeah, is. We would, yeah. it would be a local conversation usually, but now it's gone to Barstool and uh, Big Lead's got the story in the very mm-hmm. front top. Uh, we'll get back to that. But, Rodney, you want to play some who said that? Some audio? Who said that? Including this NFL general manager. A chip. Defending a coach Here's his first get three fired. seasons. Six and ten, seven and nine, seven and nine. Tom Landry, 0 and 11, 4 and 9, 5 and 8, 4 and 10, 5 and 8. Bill Walsh, first year, 2 and 14. Second year, 6 and 10. Hall of Fame coaches, all of them. So I think the easy thing to do is just look at the results and say, oh, no, we've got to have a change. you got to look beyond that. My assessment is Dennis Allen is a good coach. With Sean Payton, we went 10 and 6 the first year, but then we were 7 and 9, 8 and 8, and I heard some of the same noise. I think sometimes the hard thing to do is to be patient and recognize your other shortcomings and get those fixed. And that's- oh, I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. Former GM in the no, league. No, current GM. Current GM in the league. Oh, man, I don't know. That's Mickey Loomis, who's the GM of the Mickey Saints. Mickey Loomis. I would have never got way over the cap, and the, yeah. the Saints media and the Saints fans are wondering why Dennis Allen wasn't fired. Uh, and mm. he's defending him, saying he's a good young coach. I'm seeing the progress. We just have other issues that we got to get fixed first. Okay. Taking the lumps for his coach. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, they're in salary cap hell. It's not much they can do, but we said that about the, the Rams. The Rams were in salary cap hell, too, and look what great coaching did. It did. <laughs> well, but they yeah. still had Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald and some they superstars. Still. I don't know that the uh, the Saints do, and Derek Carr was a failed experiment or at least an underwhelming experiment. Yeah, so but they failed. What, what, look what they've gotten for their salary cap hell. At least the Rams are in salary cap hell with some Hall of Fame potential players, oh, and great players. Yeah, you got what, your salary, what's the reason when you're in salary cap hell? Yeah, because you keep Because that division that. is trash. You should be able to win that division well, without maxing out the salary cap. 
Yeah. And that's <laughs> on him, by the way, and the coach. Yeah. Not maximizing the players that are there. Uh, for sure, because you got Jameis Winston and Derek Carr. Neither of them are good quarterbacks. There's, right. there's a lot of issues there. And now the players don't even listen to the coach anymore. They're calling their own plays. He, he told them to go in there and kneel the football, and they decided to call a play to get their get get their teammate a touchdown. Yeah, I, they don't uh, even listen to the coach anymore. Yeah, I'm not a big Dennis Allen fan. I think they're an undercoached football team. At least that. And he, you know, talk about Tom Landry and uh, Bill Walsh. Come on, wow. now. come don't, on. I don't man. think Dennis Allen are those guys. Mm, no, nope. really don't. I don't get that. I don't get that vibe. Not the vibe I get. What do you have for me, Rod? Uh, all right, Ty, I sent you a couple of clips. You can just dial up one of them. We can play. Who said that? Look, I've always been a Baker fan from afar. I loved him when he was coming out. I tell this story. Um, this, to me, said a lot about him. And I went and worked uh, Blake Andrews out when he was coming out of OU. They came out the same year, tight end. And uh, so, so I went out there. Well, his quarterback... You know, it's cold, but he, he, you know, he comes out there. I think he's got, like, flip-flops on. It's Baker. Baker's going to throw for him. Well, Baker threw for every one of his guys that was coming out that year, and I think he'd already had two private workouts the two days prior, and he had one that afternoon, and I think the one the next day. So that just says a lot about the guy. There's no wonder why people uh, rally around him and follow him because he's that type of teammate, right? I mean, there's a lot of guys who wouldn't do that. Like, oh, i got to save my arm. I've got so-and-so club coming in. That wasn't him. So, um, you know, you can respect stuff like that now. There you go. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. We, t- we had this exact conversation yesterday. He was always a great teammate, even though fans didn't like him, especially of other teams, because he played with that, you know, in-your-face attitude and energy. But the players loved it, and he was a good teammate. In Cleveland, he became a bad teammate. Mm-hmm. In Cleveland, he started to, t- to project that in the wrong direction. Media, try to fight the media, try to fight teammates. Uh, I, I do think he's channeling it back in a good place, and I think that's why he's playing good football, and the Buccaneers love him. Yep. All right, that was Dan Campbell for those. Who, yes, Dan Campbell. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, you uh, knew it was. Yeah, you Dan just Campbell. Just describing love it that. Yeah, Dan Campbell. The, uh, his voice stuff. is unmistakable. Yes, it is. He does have a very distinct voice. Yes. You know Dan Campbell when you hear him. <laughs> um, oh, I got uh, – Ty, there's another one in there that's not Dan Campbell that I sent you. We might be able to play that one before we get out of here too. If you can dial it up, we can say. Hold play. on, before we move Who's on from Dan Campbell, can we play the beginning of that again? Because Go I ahead. heard this yesterday, Go ahead. and I was trying to think: Does this sound at all like uh, Ty? You'll like this. One of your favorite movies, uh, Jeff Bridges and the Big Lebowski. Does he sound a little bit like the oh. dude? Does he sound a little bit like the dude? Let's let our listeners hear and see if Ty hears. Think, think, think the dude. Look, I've always been a Baker fan from afar. I loved him when he was wow. coming out. I tell this story. Um, this Maybe. to me yeah. said a lot about him. No, I hear it. <laughs> you hear the dude? I hear the dude. Ty, I you do. hear dude? Yeah. He might have a carpet that he likes a lot, too. Yeah, and if he had a, you know, white Russian in his hand. Yeah, I know. I hear it. I do. I really do. I I hadn't heard that before, but now I can't unhear it. It's not as as good as the Nolan Hogan, Quinn Ewers. No, uh, my son and Quinn Ewers do sound alike. Yes, they're very... Very similar. That's you can't, you can't even. But he's my son, so I don't ever think about it. But, I, you know, <laughs> but for other people, I can understand that. Yeah, you can barely tell them apart. Yeah, um, when they start talking. But that was pretty good about Dan Campbell. I didn't realize that. And the late, uh, not the late, he's still alive. But our, our former set list ATX guy, Tom Gimble, does sound a lot like Tom Brady. Like when they talk, it's very similar. That I have not heard. I don't know. Yeah, if Tom I... Gimble could have done Tom Brady press conferences oh. and if they weren't on camera. You could, you would swear. That's oh, interesting. Because we used to have Tom say, "I think those balls are perfect," and it was the same. Wow. <laughs> Okay, there you go. I didn't know. I, I don't think I remember uh, hearing Tom Gimble's voice. Now you said something. I don't know if it reminds me of Tom Brady, but that 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 I would say Dan Campbell sounds like the dude. He does. Especially he had a couple white Russians in him. He sounds he like got, the dude. Got a little loose. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. You got a good ear for that. Good stuff. 
All right, we'll come back. We'll pick up this audio because I know you have some more for me, and I've got one that will uh, lead to a conversation. We will hear Rodney Terry explaining his actions after the Texas lost to Central Florida, getting in the face of some of the Central Florida players who are doing the horns down. As Rod just said, it's not playing well in Longhorn land or around the country. Um, you know, bad reaction to a bad loss for Texas. We'll get to all of it. Got plenty to do uh, moving forward. This says, stay out of Malibu, Lebowski. <laughs> That's pretty good. Anyway, I'm going to watch that movie again. Looking forward to the fabulous fifth hour. It's coming next.